the book of Numbers, chapter 22. It's just been wonderful, the songs that have been sang this morning, and just thinking of the goodness of God and, and how He's been with us and, and how he, the battle belongs to Him. And, and that's, that's something that we're going to be speaking about this morning, um, just knowing and remembering that, that God has been with us from, from the day in which He saved us and, and all them highs and all them lows, He's been with us and He's brought us through. And Listen, here we sit and here we stand at the end of yet another year. Um, the, the title this morning is it's, thanking, it's one of thankfulness. It's, it's thanking God for the donkeys in your life. And, and I will explain that a wee bit as we go along. But, you know, sometimes we need to look back and just thank God for the people that He's brought into our lives. Do you know them people that, you know, come to us in, in difficult seasons and those who are faithful, perhaps, of, of taxing us or calling with us? You know what I mean? Those people who, who sometimes you probably didn't appreciate even at that moment. But it was them people that, that spoke encouragement into you. It's them people that showed you a level of love and care that you just didn't expect to receive from them. You understand? And, and these are times where God just sends people into our life, into our path, just to bring us forward. And so it's thanking God for, for the donkeys in our life. And we, we look at that. Obviously, we're going to be looking at Balaam. Thanking God for the, the donkeys in our life. So the theme this morning is Balaam in part. We're not going to be looking too much at Balaam, but we're going to be looking at Balaam. Balaam's a massive character, uh, and we'll, we'll not be even scraping that this morning, but I just want to pull something out of the story, his story, and how God used a, a simple donkey to try and keep Balaam in the right path and to bring him back on to God's path. And, and there's something in that when, when we look at that where we realize that God, and it's very, it's a theme right throughout the Scriptures where where God puts obstacles on our path to guide us in this journey of faith. Do you understand? Not, a, not all obstacles are of the enemy. Not all obstacles are bad, even though at, the t- at that time they might feel it. But, but, but God puts obstacles, people and things in our, in our path to guide us back on or to keep us on in His path, ult- ultimately to lead us safely home to glory. So the story of Balaam, before we read it, it comes at a time where, where Israel, after 40 years in the wilderness, going round in circles, is now coming out. And they're now making their way to the promised land, which we know as Canaan. But for 40 years, listen, a generation remained wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years as a result of the words of 10 spies. Now, these are the type of donkeys that you don't want in your life. And there are these type of donkeys that they come into your life and they're a hindrance to you. They kick back at all the wrong times, you see? But we're not looking at them types of donkeys, but we will be pointing some of them donkeys out, that, that they're, they're, they're real. As a result of these ten men and their words, it was enough to imprison Israel in a cell of fear and disbelief for four years. So just on that note, not all donkeys in our life are good for us. But Israel is on the move again. She's coming out of the wilderness um, she's filled with a fresh seal for God, and she, she realizes his promises spoken over her is far more valued than the words of some dead donkeys that speak negativity uh, and cursing into her lives. So Israel's on the road to Jericho, and things were beginning to happen again among the people of God in this point, in this time in history. But at this point, Israel is still in the, in, in the, in the other side of the River Jordan, and there's a journey ahead, 
and that's like the Christian life. We're, we're still on this side of eternity, and we have a journey ahead. And as it was for Israel, it will be for us. It will be trying at times, and there will be much opposition that will come their way and our way. But Israel at this point is filled with faith and a great desire to go on with God. And, and that's what I want to pull out, that, that God is working in her, and He's moving her forward, and, and He sends different people to encourage her along, and that's the Christian life as well. So Israel is now moving forward, and so there we pick up in our text, for chapter 22, verses 1 through to 12, if you want to read with me. So they're on the move again, then it says, Then the people of Israel, they traveled to the plains of Moab, and they camped east of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Now Balak, the Moabite king, had seen everything that Israel's did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. That's how the enemy sees the, the church, you know. That's how old Satan, when he looks at the people of God going on for God, there's a, there's a sense of fear. There's a, there, this is the power of God, you see. The nations could see it. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. And the king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours the grass in the field. So Balak, the king of Moab, sent messages to call Balaam, the son of Beor, who was living in, the, in, in his native, native land of Pethor, near the, 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 near the Euphrates River. Sorry. And his message said, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Now please come, now listen, please come and curse these people for me because they're too powerful. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. For I know that the blessings fall on any people that you bless and curses fall on the people in which you curse. Verse 7, now Balak's messengers, the elders of Moab and Midian, they set out with money to pay Balaam to place, place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to them. Stay overnight, Balaam said, and in the morning I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. And that night God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men that are visiting you? And Balaam said to God, <clears throat> Balak, son of Sapor, king of Moab, for he has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. For you are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. For they have been blessed. So, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, right at the outset. What we see is, God, you have taken a people, Lord, and you have blessed them. And, Lord, although the enemy seeks to curse and seeks to hinder, Lord God, they have no voice over your people. Lord, we thank you that the curse of sin has been broken through Christ. Lord, we thank you this morning that we are not here bound by no generational curses, but in Christ we're free. How can that which is blessed be cursed? And all who are in Christ are blessed. Lord, we thank you for that. But Lord, we thank you this morning that on this journey, as we see with Israel, God, there, there's many things that come our way, Lord, to obstruct us, to oppose us, to, Lord, just to leave us, Lord, walking in circles, if it were, as it were. But Lord, we thank you that you send people, 
Lord, into our life, God, to, to move us forward, Lord, and Lord, even to stop us going on that wrong path. And Father, I pray over your church this morning, Lord, that you would bless us, God, with, a, with an ear to ear this morning, here this morning, God, and Lord, that we would leave here knowing that, Lord, your hand is and has been firmly upon each of our lives, and we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So our first point this morning, as we consider the year that's passed, and I suppose beginning to look forward to the year ahead, and we'll do that more next week, the first point that I want to bring out is this, that the opposition in going forward with God, the opposition that, that it is we find and face going forward with God. You know, looking back over our life, there will have been seasons where our, our journey of faith has been one of fire, just gone on well with God. The Holy Spirit seems to be pushing us along, and and just everything's where it ought to be and should be. And there will also have been seasons where we found ourselves perhaps stood still, uh, unsure what way to turn and, and unsure how to go forward and where to even go forward. And that's the reality of what we see with Israel. And it's the reality that we will see in our own lives. And it's in these seasons that, that not only do we find obstacles that we think are of the enemy, but what we realize that, in fact, God also puts obstacles in our way to guide us and to, to protect us and to keep us. And that's a lovely thought, that God puts things in our path to stop us. Now, Israel has made her way from Canaan, and as she did, there was, there was much opposition. In fact, when, when, when she decided to go on with God, with every step that she took in obedience, there was something or there was someone that would get in the way and try and stop her from going forward. Does that sound familiar in your own life? The more you want to go on with God, and, and there's just something, isn't there? Or something or someone gets in the way. You know, and as we look back, we will have seen that there's been moments where this has happened to us, where, where something has come along and it's it stopped us in our tracks, and all of a sudden we're not going on the way that we desired, perhaps, or, or we weren't, we're not at the place where we wanted to be or desired to be with God. It could be something really simple, like something has been said to you or about you, isn't it? It's these things that can put us clean off the, the track that God has us on. There's, there's deeper things, like something's being done to us or taken from us, one of the, the deepest hurts is a betrayal of trust that happens in, in, the, in, the, in a life. You see, opposition that comes in many forms, and especially as I looked at this in, in negative words. Negative words is something that the, that, that, that the enemy uses to stop you in your tracks, and you think about it. Things that have been spoken over your life as a child still have the power to imprison you this very day. That's the power of words, and it's the power of, of opposition. That, that we can face. And that's why the Bible tells the church to renew our mind and to take every thought captive and put it on trial before we let it into our hearts. And, and you consider the testimony of the ten spies in Israel. They caused Israel, ten, ten testimonies caused Israel to walk in circles and not go one step forward with God for 40 whole years. And Jericho just up the road. That, that's, the, that's the power of words. In a moment, a whole generation was stopped going forward with God. Now, Israel's op opposition then, it came in the form of negative words that were spoken over her. And how often does negative words spoken over us stop us going on in life, go on in business, and especially going on in the things of God? You see, opposition, it comes in, in, in every type and, and many types of forms. 
but nearly always involves people. It's not something. The opposition that you have faced and then stopped you going on for your life, you ask yourself, has it been a person or persons? And the chances are it has been. <clears throat> and don't, listen, we're not always the victim. Sometimes we're, sometimes we're that person that, that have, has unintentionally perhaps done or said, you know, don't always put ourselves in the victim seat. Understand that God sometimes uses people in your life to sharpen you. Sometimes some of the greatest titans that I have received in my life and rebukes is when God's put somebody in my path who has rubbed me up in such a way that I've had to deal with this heart. You see? So some donkeys aren't appreciated in your life, but they're God sent. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the Galatian, he warns about certain types of people, but not so much about the people, but the effects that them people can have on you and your walk with God. Now listen, I'm going to bring this out to you. In Galatians 5 and 7, you can read it for yourself at home. I'm going to use three translations to say the same verse. And Paul says to the church in Galatia, the Galatian church, he says, listen, you ran well, but who has hindered you? Another translation, the NLT says, you were running the race, the race so well, now who has held you back? The NIV says, you were running a good race, now who has caught in on you? You see? And I wonder, church, as we come to the end of this year, is that for you? Is that one of God's children this morning? And that's you. You once ran well, and you lived for God, and there was this fire in your belly, but someone caught in on you. Think of it. Is this of God? Is this an opportunity of growth in your life? Is this an opportunity for you to mature and to rise up and to grow in this? Either road, we can't stay there. It's an obstacle of some sort. You once ran well. Who has hindered you? Who is holding you back? Who has caught in on you and knocked you out of the race? See, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel composed herself and she became the woman of God that she was meant to be. And she looked to the Lord again because that's where the church looks. Not the man and their words, but to the Lord. And I want you to notice what happened because we can learn from Israel. What I, what I learned as I considered what she did next, she disregarded the words of them faithless donkeys, them ten spies, and she left the past where it belongs in the past, and she began to walk again in the promises of God. Do you see the words of ten men? Kept a whole generation back. In fact, if you want to go further, there was a whole generation that perished, the Bible tells us, never, never made it to the promised land. That's the power of words. You understand? And, and you make sure that there's no donkeys that is hindering you from going on with the Lord. Amen. Say amen, church. I know it's the end of the year, but it's a word for you. Do you understand? I didn't download this. I didn't fabricate it. I didn't copy it. And, and that means God's give us something this morning for somebody this morning. And there is donkeys in our life that we are allowing to keep us back, to destroy us and stop us from going on to what God has for us and missing out on that glory land. Now, Israel has begun going on in the promises of God. And God always leads his people on, you see. His word always will come at a time and, and take us out of that place where we're stood and this year is soon passed, and you know, another one's soon coming. But we don't want to run on too far just yet. But I want us to 
consider where we are today and as we consider a simple change of a calendar next week or tomorrow. Let us pray that, that we enter this new year with a fresh seal for the gospel. Not a fresh seal for our lives or our businesses or them things. Them things will, will happen. But a fresh seal for the gospel, for the lost. It's the reason the church is still on earth and hasn't been taken. The work of the ministry is still the work of the ministry. And I want to say this to you, to church. As your minister and, and somebody who loves you daily, I get to ask you these questions. I don't come in here as a visiting speaker and have a rant and go. But as we end this year, can I say this to you? Make sure you're on the right path today. Amen? Make sure you're on the right path. Don't allow some donkeys to, to put you and to rob you of what God has for you. Make sure you're still in the faith. Now, I didn't want to say that one, but 2 Corinthians 13, the apostle says this, examine yourselves, test yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. And that's the role of a minister to challenge the people that God has entrusted them to, that, that their souls can be protected, that, that what God has for them can come to path. Examine yourselves. In other words, test your own sincerity. That's what I, when I looked into the deeper meaning of that, test your own sincerity. What is your walk really like with God? Where do you really stand with Him? Is this world got your focus or has, 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 has glory got your, your, your focus? Who's your first love? Who's caught in on you and replaced the Lord's place. But Galatians 6 says, and as we consider going into the new year, it says, let us not become weary. It says, because if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest, it says. We will. Do you know your family is not yet saved? And perhaps you're like myself, you just don't know how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. Well, the Lord says, if we don't give up and become weary with the gospel, with the gospel, not kicking like donkeys and, and squealing like donkeys. You know, donkeys aren't nice to listen to. Where I, where I live, there was a bit of a dispute between three men, two farmers, and a man in the middle. And I'm not going to end it because it's, it's public. We're, we're on a public platform. But let me just say this. The man in the middle who was so frustrated with the two other men, he says to me, only you live here. I would put a donkey each side of that lane, and I would stick in them men. And I says, please don't, please don't. But a donkey makes a lot of noise. And it can distract. It can rob the joy and the peace of a person if you're living next door to it. Let us not become weary. Don't give up and we will receive, receive a harvest. This year is over, church, but your journey of faith is not. You're not yet up there in glory. Your, your life is still very much with us. Your journey of faith is not over this year is. Examine yourself. Are you walking around in circles in a type of wilderness? Or are you walking with Him and looking forward to the promised land? Now, Proverbs 4 says this, be, give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Give careful thought as we come to a close this year of your life. Don't let opposition in the form of people, the form of words stop you in your tracks but keep going on with the Lord. Amen. So that's the first point. That was the longest point, a wee short point. I have only one more point for you. So the first point was the opposition going on with God, knowing that there is difficulties. 
But the second point is the donkeys that keeps us going on in the right path. The donkeys that keep us on the right path. As Israel made her way to Canaan, she had to pass through different territories, different nations, kingdoms, if you like, in her journey. But she was opposed by wicked kings. And we, we think of what the Bible says about the king, the prince of this earth, and how we don't fight against principalities and powers, and, but as, as rulers, you know, these people in authority in the darkness of this world. And we see that quite clearly, but we, we sometimes don't realize to the extent of who actually rules this world. Somebody once said to me, why, is it, why, is it, why are you so blessed financially by the government to be divorced than you are to be married? Well, ask yourself, why? Why is it? that you get blessed and, and, and you prosper to be living a life that God didn't desire you to live, and, but yet the world would pay you to do such a thing. But they were faced opposition by wicked kings. Uh, king Sion, the, the Amorite king, was one of them, and uh, Og, the king of Bashan, was the other king. Now, they refused. They stopped Israel on their tracks to, and wouldn't let her through the land. Now, Israel offered to, to pay for all the, the food that they would have ate or the water they would have drank. You understand, Israel didn't come with their test out. They said, look, we just want to pass through and whatever our cattle and we eat, we'll pay. We just want to go through, no trouble, you see. But the church walks in peace, but it still faces opposition, is what I'm trying to say. But these kings came against Israel, but Israel defeated these two kings. There was no problem to her. She defeated them. They, actually, she took all the spoil from that, them two kings and went on about her business. God blessed them for still going on. The, the enemy will not prosper against your life. It'll bark, it'll kick, it'll threaten. But when we step on with God, God will not only give you victory, but he'll bless you. And sometimes the ones who are opposing you will pay for it. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what I love about it. We are, we are called to trust God and not to listen to the, to the wicked kings of this earth. But this is where Balaam comes in, you see. The Balak, the king of Moab, he learns about the victories of Israel over these other kings, and, and there's a fear sets in, because he knows the people of God has come on his path, his way, and he begins to panic, so he sends his messengers to, the, to find this, this man called Balaam, this, this prophet, and they, they brought with him, we're told, a fee, money, and we all love money. And here's the thing about Balaam, and I say, I'm not going to end him too much, but there's so much we could go and say and do and talk about with this man, but Balaam was a prophet, but he wasn't an Israelite prophet, but he was a prophet. He heard from God very clearly. But he had a reputation, and his reputation was that when, when, when Balaam cursed an army, they were often defeated. That's what, that was his reputation. But if he blessed an army, they had victory. That was this man's reputation. If you wanted favor or good things in your life, you would go to this man, you'd give him a few pounds, say, Balaam, bless my family, bless my business. You understand? That's, that's what Balaam is. So, so Balak, the king of Moab, he wanted Balaam to curse that which is blessed, which was the church, which was God's people, Israel, and so that he could defeat them. So, so, but Balaam, we're told, it's interesting, Balaam took time to seek God. But God told Balaam, that's what he said, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Now, now Balaam give, or God give Balaam, a clear instruction. Do not go with them people. It can't be any clearer, church. Do not curse that which I have blessed. And so King Balak's uh, men returned without Balaam. He was faithful to what God told him to do. 
But King Balak sends more and better trained men to try and tempt Balaam. That's what the enemy does. He tries to tempt the people of God, to curse God. We see that with Job. But he wanted them to curse Israel. What a picture of Satan and the tempter of men and our need to not be bought. But Balaam, instead of saying that God said no the first time, now you need to see this or you're going to get confused. God had already spoken, and it was a clear word, but we're told that he waited on God a second time. And what I see is this, that, that Balaam was trying to get away around what, what God had already said. Have you ever done that? You know what you ought to do, what, you're, what, you're, what God has told you to do, but you just try to twist and turn and get another avenue. We, we all do it, by the way. But here we see a man, a prophet, and he's trying to get away around what God has already said in a bid to get this money from the king of Moab. And we're told in verse 20, that night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. But this is a test for Balaam, a test that he failed. And verse 21 says this, that Balaam got up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and he went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry that he went. We don't need to second-guess God. Go right back to the garden. What did the serpent do to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Understand, when God speaks to you, church, and if He's spoken to you and you know that whether it's a call to further ministry, whether it's a rebuke or whether it's a reminder to get up and to start following Him again, don't try and do an angle. Don't try and get into the side door because God's Word stands doesn't change. But God told him to go, yes, but what did he tell him to do first? Don't go and curse that which I have blessed. But he went. And God knew his heart. So, so he said, go then. But then he rebuked him right away. And here we see that, that Balaam, first thing to notice with this wicked prophet, the Bible calls him, he could hear from God. Not only that, this man prophesied seven times over Israel. And every time he spoke, God spoke blessing through his mouth. You see? Not only that, he prophesied of the common Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This wicked king could hear from God. He could foresee. But here's the thing about Balaam. He was a prophet who could be bought for money. He was a prophet for hire. And that's not a true prophet. And we need to be careful. We're not going to some these diviners or fortune tellers on these things, trying to step outside of God's Word and what God has spoken over our life, or looking direction in our life from other places. And this is the type of man that Balaam was. And because he was a prophet for hire, he was of absolute no value to the kingdom of God. He was like Jacob's son. You know, remember when Jacob spoke the blessing over his children? He says, Reuben, you're, you're unstable as water. You can't be trusted. You understand? This was the type of man. It's not that he wasn't a man of God, Reuben, but he was unstable as water. And this is what this prophet is. God told Balaam very clearly, do not go with them. Balaam's love for money, his divided heart, his unstableness meant that he could be bought by the king of Moab. Now, I don't want to go any further. I just want to give you a picture of this man, but how God tried to stop this man and how God tried to, to keep this man in all his worldliness and his, and his undivided heart and his love for money, how God constantly put things in his path to try and keep him on to the right road, how much more for the children of God? How much more will he not put things in the path of the church to keep us on his path? 
There's much we could be saying about this man, much we could learn from him, but all I want to highlight as we close is, uh, uh, and leave you, I want to leave you with this fact, that God put obstacles in Balaam's path to try and keep him on the right path. <coughs> obstacles in the form of a donkey. <coughs> Excuse me, it says, listen, I want to just read this last week bit to you. Balaam got up in the morning and he went to the mobile officials and the angel of the Lord stood on the road and opposed him. The angel of the Lord went to stop him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord stand on the road with the drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field and Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. We don't often appreciate somebody who speaks truth into our lives. When somebody corrects us, we don't, sometimes we just want to beat them. They don't recognize them as God's people. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord stood on a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it yet again with his staff. Church, I want to say this. Three times God intervened in this man's life, and three times this man became so angry and so frustrated, he actually beat and kicked the very thing that God had sent to bring them on to the right path. And you know, sometimes people come into our life and we don't treat them well, or they do something to us and we, we just want to beat them, but we don't realize it's the very thing that God has put there to bring us to the place we want to be. Has somebody ever challenged you in your faith? Has somebody ever said something to you and you're, and you're rebuked inside? You don't want to let it on and you keep on going, but you realize what they said to me was true. You understand? These are God's things, God's obstacles, God's donkeys, good donkeys that kick when we need the kick. Amen, church. Thank God. Not all donkeys are bad. But each time Balaam became angry and he beat the donkey. Now, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, which is unbelievable. It's wonderful that God had to speak to a stubborn man through a donkey to get his attention. <clears throat> and I said to Balaam, now listen to the words, what have I ever done to you to make you beat me three times like this? Some of the people that we are so angry with, we need to ask ourselves that question. What have they really ever done to us? The people in our life that, that God has put there to, to help us on, what have they really done to us? But yet there can be this frustration. And, and, and Balaam answered the donkey, he says, you've made a fool of me. His pride was hurt. He wanted to go one way, but God said no. And there's a wee bit of anger here because I want to do my thing and, and my way, and, and, and plus there's money, you see. You, you have to read into this this man was so angry that he couldn't get his own way and he could hear clearly from God. If only we could hear like he heard and see what he's seen. But Balaam failed to realize that the one who he wanted to bait and kill was the one who loved him the most. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey? Meaning, yeah, I belong to you. Which you have always ridden to this very day. Now he says, have I ever been in the habit of doing this to you? In other words, have I ever wanted intentionally ever tried to hurt you or kill you or lead you in the wrong path? Have I not always taken you and been with you everywhere? But yet this time when I'm trying to protect you, look what you're trying to do to me. It's fascinating. And Balaam stops and he says, no. You've never 
done this to me. You've never tried to harm me or wrong me. You understand how easy it is to be angry with God and forget that not once has He been bad to us. In fact, He's been good to us. In them moments, in them times, we we struggle to go forward. We don't know how to go. He's still been so gentle and good with us and led us. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And that's what, when we get our eyes opened, that's when we will truly follow the Lord. And he said to the ends of the Lord standing in the road, or he saw the ends of the Lord standing in the road with his sword. He could see God in it all. And he bowed down. He realized that God was in it, that God was dealing with him. God was trying to stop him. And perhaps that's you this morning. God has been trying to stop you in your tracks. And you need to see that it's God. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten the donkey these three times? And listen to what the Lord says. I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless. Thank God, church. When we step on the reckless path, when somebody wounds us and our donkey kicks us and we find ourselves going in the distance, the broad road again, that, that he himself, he comes to that reckless path and he puts things on our road to stop us and to put us on the right path. That's the God that you love and the God that has saved you and the God that we preach about and serve. The donkey saw me and turned away these three times. And listen to what the Lord says. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you. Only eternity will show us what God has kept us from. Only eternity will show us what, what the enemy set before us and how God at the right time nudged us off that snare, off that deadly trap. Amen, church. Only eternity will show us that God, God has protected us from. Now we're finished now. And Balaam said this to the angel, I have sinned. He says, I did not realize that you were standing in the road, Lord. I didn't realize, Lord, that, that you were with me. What a thought. I didn't realize when the donkey kicked when them words were spoken, when I, when I stood still for 40 years, I didn't realize. Maybe you're stood here this morning and you're going in circles. And you haven't realized that God is very much with you. And every time you've tried to run, He's put an obstacle. Every time you've maybe went a wee bit in error, He's put somebody in, the, in your path. And, he, and they've just nudged you back onto the right path. Amen. Thank God for the donkeys in our life that have been good to us, who were faithful to us. Listen, church, maybe that's for somebody, and I want to just finish. Now, I'm finished, but there's, there's ministry here. So I'm finding it hard just to stop. But maybe for some of you or somebody online, the path that you are on is reckless. It's reckless. And maybe God has been trying desperately this year to, to stop you in your tracks before you end up shipwrecked. Now, I honestly don't know that. There's not one person here, thank God, that I can say, I'm I'm trying to get your attention. But this word is there. And and the simple word to to Balaam was, and what Balaam said, I will go back. And that's what we need to do. If we find ourselves on a reckless journey, we need to go back. Church, as we consider the close of this year, consider the people in your life, consider it in these closing moments in your life, that God used to keep you going on with Him. Think of that. Consider the obstacles that He put before you to keep you from harm's way. I have observed in this church, and as a minister, it's a wonderful privilege, and I, and I thank you for your faithfulness to me as well, uh, and Julianne. 
But as a minister, we see things that, that, that nobody really gets to see. You get to see a body of people, not individuals, and you get to see glimmers. And you get to have a, an understanding of, of what God has placed before you. And you, there's moments where you actually weep, you know. There's times we've wept. And ministers don't talk like that. Because we, we don't. We, we just keep preaching the Word. There, there's times we have been so overjoyed and thankful because we've seen God move in, in your lives. And that can't be, that can't be explained. All, all around, that there's times I look and, and, and you just wonder, how have some of you come this far? Or how has God set you free from that? And you understand there's moments where I just stand and then I, I have to be reminded it's because of God in it all. The reason I'm here this morning, my word, is because of Him. But I've witnessed in this church new life. I've seen new families with wee babies come along and I've just seen a joy in a face that you just look at and walk on. It's just so nice. I've seen new life in the form of people saved. And I marvel at what God has done. I've seen new growth, growth in people who perhaps for years have just been sitting and something's missing in their walk. And all of a sudden there's a, there's a wee fire and there's a light on and I rejoice in my life, and I realize that God is working among us. No matter how difficult the season, or no matter how dry it might seem, God's in it. Some of you have had to pass through the, the darkest of valleys, the darkest of valleys, and <clears throat> I used to stand back, I had no words. I remember praying at a certain time within this church, and I had no words. I, I, but I began to see God in it all. And what I'm trying to say to the church is, listen, God's in it all. And even in the darkest of valleys, if you look closely, He has put people in, in the form of donkeys, if you like, just at the right time, just to strengthen you. Just at the right time to remember that God is with you, regardless of where you find yourself today. I've been dumbfounded, dumbfounded, in fact, that some of you have managed to to come this far. I don't want to say that publicly as in, have you no faith, man? But you have to understand from where I look at it, I just don't know if I could have coped. But then I see God working in His church, and I realize that the great work that He's begun within His church, He said He will keep. Amen, church. Salvation's not of us, and, and, and we can't keep our faith. And you know, there's been donkeys in my life where, like Balaam, I've wanted to stab that's a bit sharp, <laughs> excuse the pun. He wanted to put the sword in, didn't he? I'm referring to him. But wanted to beat them. Let's not get too satanic about the whole matter. There's been people in our lives, we haven't really perhaps appreciated that moment, but they're God's people. They're God's donkeys. Thank God for the donkeys in our life, church. Amen?